Hi, you're listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. I want to read from John chapter 8. The reason I wanted you guys to stand is uh, I heard Kanye is bringing Sunday morning service back, I think. Um, but I think we need to have a Bible comeback. Okay, I think we need to have a gospel comeback. Okay, we need to have a respect for the Bible to come back, right? So, so if you have your Bibles, would you open to chapter 8 of John? This is the Apostle of John, and the Word of the Lord says this. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again in the temple, and all people were coming around him. And he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in front of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now the law of Moses commanded to stone such a woman. What do you say? They were saying this, testing him, meaning Jesus, so that they might have grounds of accusing him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking, uh, asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down on the ground uh, and wrote on the ground. When they have heard this, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone with the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on and sin no more. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this amazing word that you've given here, Lord. And I pray as I deliver this message, God, you open up our hearts and you change and transform us from inside out, Lord. Lord, just like this broken woman that was caught in adultery, Lord, we are like that. Father, we are broken and we come here before you at your feet. Lord, you need not condemn her. And I know there's people that came in this place and they, maybe they feel guilty. Maybe they feel like they should just give up on life. Lord, I pray that tonight they would find hope. And Lord, I pray for those people that maybe came in this place with stones ready to stone. I pray, God, that you'd show them they're not like any different than this woman. Lord, I pray that you bring conviction into their hearts. And Jesus, I pray. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. You guys can take a seat. John 8 is a powerful passage. Now, I want to just kind of give a little bit of description here. John 8 is not found in most of the early manuscripts. Now, some people have kind of debated, should this, this be part of John or should this be part of the Gospel of Luke? But most scholars agree that this story did happen. And when, what, what happens here is here you have Jesus coming from a night of prayer. And he comes into the temple, into the court of the temple. Imagine a mega church, a big church, and a lot of people were pressing up to hear Jesus. 
Imagine having a massive service on Sunday morning, right? And there might be hundreds or, or even thousands of people. And they're all ready to see what's going to happen. What is Jesus going to teach? And as he starts to teach, some commotion in the background. People yelling. People pushing. People shoving. And it's these religious leaders who are pushing this woman. Some scholars say that she was naked. She, she, at least she, was, she had her, 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 her uh, clothes, regular clothes, ripped off of her, and she was probably wrapped up in something. And people kicking her and, and pushing her and bringing her to the feet of Jesus. Imagine you being that person where there's, I don't know, maybe a thousand, maybe two thousand people. Now, if I, if I were to ask you to come up here and preach, some of you, you know how they say that the two most predominant free fears for any person is uh, fear of dying and fear of speaking in public. But fear of speaking in public, some people say that it's actually first. So people would rather be dead than speak in front of people, which I don't understand that. But the point is, people have a lot of anxiety, especially when it comes to speaking to a large audience, right? Like, I, I have it too. I just, somebody asked me, like, you look relaxed. I'm like, don't let that fool you, <laughs> right? Like, uh, so imagine you have a thousand people, they're watching this, and you have just done the worst sin of your life. And it's not like somebody's accusing you of something that, you know, you didn't do. No, she's done that. Apparently, she was caught in the act of doing it. And she is being, ex- first, the enemy came and tempted her. Now, I'm not sure. Uh, it looks like this is a, the whole thing is a trap. We don't know what really happened there. But she finds herself in this position where she's just like, she, she, she has been caught in this sin, and now she's exposed. Have you ever been exposed? Like, have you ever been exposed in front of a lot of people? Because I have, and it does not feel good. I remember I was growing up, I was about, I think it was fifth grade. I had a friend of mine, his name was Sasha, and uh, he was poor. We were poor too, but my dad, we had a business, and and. You know, I, I hung out with, with a lot of the kids that were really rich. I pretended to be rich. I wasn't. But I had this friend of mine who was so loyal to me. I know one time he actually beat up a person because they supposedly disrespected me. And he was so loyal. I just didn't care about him, honestly. Like, it really, like, now looking back, I'm like, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for changing my heart. I didn't care about him. And one time, you know, I really wanted this radio. I'm fifth grade, so give me grace, guys. But I wanted this radio. We couldn't really afford it. And this, this, this radio station, a Christian radio station, they actually would give you a radio for free if you were to share it with the community, to hear the radio station. So I heard this on the radio. I know this sounds really archaic to you, but this happened, okay? And, uh, you know, I hear this, so I write this elaborate letter to the station, and I say, hey, I have this friend, his name is Sasha. I have no intention of sharing the radio with him at all. I really don't care about this kid. All I care about is for me to have this radio. So I write this long letter, and I just lie after lie after lie after lie after lie, you know? And I make it sound like the world is ending if I don't get this radio. Like, I'm about to evangelize the whole world, I just wanted to listen to other stations, but that's besides the point, right? And I send this letter in, and, you know, I keep on listening 
to this radio. And one time, I kid you not, this is a national, for Moldova at that time, national public radio, Christian public radio. And they're like, hey, we have this letter that's so amazing. It's from Slavic Morado. And they proceed to read the whole letter on radio, mentioning this kid Sasha. And my, I, when I heard this, I turned it down. Apparently, everyone turned it up because they heard a familiar voice, right? Like they, they've heard a familiar name, rather. So they all listened to this. And my brother Igor had a friend. His name was Yuri. He's like, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe you would do this. Because it wasn't just one lie, it was lie after lie after lie after lie. And think about this, the whole now village knows this now. Right? <laughs> Needless to say, going to school the next day, to say that I had anxiety, I'm like, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm literally, like, I, I, I did not know how to face my friends. Being exposed like that. Now, of course, my friends forgave me because they were more Christian than me. But looking at that story now, I think that's a glimpse of what would happen if you are dragged before the most spiritual person inside of the best church, the temple, in front of a thousand people when you are just caught in the worst sin of your life. And people are screaming at you and people are kicking you. This is what she's feeling. And they just throw her before Jesus. The scribes and Pharisees says this in verse 3, brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Jesus, teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Adul adultery is when somebody's married and she went and slept with somebody else. And by the law, she is supposed to get the death penalty. That was capital punishment. That is a big, big thing. She's like, I said I'm dead, like, figuratively. But she actually was going to get killed. That's serious. But the question then becomes, like, I, I read this passage, I'm like, wait a second. Y'all caught her in the very act? Were you guys spying on her? Well, wait, wait a second. And if you guys were spying on her, isn't that like you guys watching porn? Right? Like, if you have done this, well, wait, wait a second. No, this is a sting. This is an operation to tear down Jesus. And they'll use a person and destroy her life just to take Jesus down. Because the trap happens to be this. What would Jesus going to say? And if he says yes, then he is going to be doomed. And if he says no, he is going to be doomed. Because if you, if you were to say, if, he, if Jesus were to say, yeah, stone her, Jesus would be breaking the Roman law. Now, you understand the history of that time. Jewish people were under Roman occupation. They could not carry out, out executions unless the Romans gave the permission. That's why Jesus was crucified by Romans. So if Jesus were to say, yes, stone her, well, they would say, well, you're not a friend of Caesar's. And they would crucify him because he's carrying out orders that are not for him to carry out. 
right? Not only that, if you were to say stone her, then the whole message of Jesus was about mercy and grace. You're not very loving kind now, aren't you? Uh, What kind of Christian are you, Jesus? You've been preaching this to us for a while now. But if he says, no, don't, don't stone her, well, obviously you're not a friend of Moses. Because both in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, uh, 22, 22, I believe, he says this, right? You have this passage in uh, Deuteronomy 22, 22, says if a man is found lying with a married woman, then both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman. Thus you shall purge the evil from Israel. Jesus, I thought you are here to fulfill the law. So so when you say things like don't stone her, are you throwing out everything that Moses has told us? Then I don't think they really realize that that kind of poses a problem for them too. Like if you really believe this verse, which I think you should believe it because it's in the Old Testament and it's all part of the Bible, right? And if you were to really carry out, I have a question, like where's the guy? Like, this is, if a man is found lying with a married woman, then both of them shall die. Where's the guy? Is it one of you guys? So, so how does this work? Timothy, you just go home. We got this. Uh, no, you know, I think Mark Driscoll said this, that, you know, uh, bicycling is a solo sport and, and you know, um, a lot of the sports are solo, but when it comes to adultery, it's kind of like it takes kind of two, if you know what I mean. Right? So if it's going to take two, then both of them should be brought to justice. Don't you agree? Where's the guy? If you guys are going to carry this out, where is the guy? But no, they, they just completely ignore that. They are just trying to take down Jesus. They didn't come there and actually try to carry out justice is what I'm trying to say. Now, if you came in this church, you're one of those three people. You're either the guy, or the, the, rather, the guy that got away with it, that you are sinning, you're slipping around, you're doing all these things, but nobody knows about it, so, hey, you're not exposed. Or maybe you're the woman who you were exposed, and maybe you identify yourself with her. Or maybe you're the third kind of person that, you, you know, you've been to church for like six months and now you think you're ho- so holy and stuff because you carry your Bible. And you, you just sort of put a whole bunch of stones in your pocket. And you're sort of ready to just like take somebody down. They come and call themselves a Christian. Wait, wait until I point this out. Wait, wait until I'm showing this side of them. Let me show you who, who they really are. Of course, there's another person there, Jesus, but you can't really take credit for that because you're not perfect and Jesus is. And if you think you're exactly like Jesus, you're probably lying, which you should be repenting. So you're one of those three. You either have sinned, you got away with it. You have sinned and you were exposed. Or you are the person who is on the other side. You are like the, the Sadducee and the Pharisee. The Sadducees are kind of like the liberal Democrat Christians. Right? They're sort of like more abstract. And then the Pharisees are like the very, like the very hardcore Republican Christians. 
the fundamentalists. And the scribes are somewhere in, in the middle. The scribes are the ones who are keeping the law and they know all the text and they're quoting, you know, the guys who always kind of scratch their beard and they say big things that you don't understand. Those guys. Right, right. So, so if you're on that camp, you came with ready to stone somebody. You know what's amazing about Jesus? He's not joining any. He's not joining the camp of Timothy who just got away with it. I'm just naming Timothy because I don't know his real name. I'm just saying. Right? Like, he's not in the camp of, hey, you can just go and sin and do whatever you want to do because there's no repercussions for it. He's not in the camp of destroying people's lives who are just brought before him. And he's not in the camp of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. You know, the religious people, the very conservative ones. The ones who put, you know, their laws and their ideas be you know, above all people. And they'll tear a person down just because they disagree with them. If you don't agree with me, go check Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Right? When you put ideas and all that at the expense of destroying the person, that is most likely you're one of those. You're one of the Sadducees, Pharisees, or the scribes. And it's interesting because normally when I deal with conflict, I'm one of those people that I'm very emotional and... <clears throat> as you can tell. Um, and every single time there's a conflict, I have to talk back and I have to say and I have to repent after it and, and all that, right? So, so you, some of you guys are in here, you know, and some, some of you guys are just, well, those people that you sort of, you know, you're passive aggressive when you start saying very sarcastic things like, <laughs> yeah, sure, you know, like, you're, but Jesus is not doing any of that. Like these, these Pharisees come and bring this woman. They throw her in front of Jesus, kicking and screaming and trying to get Jesus' attention. And Jesus just like starts to write on, on the ground. Jesus completely ignores the whole scene. You think he'd get up there and start defending and saying, you guys are wrong. No, but that's not what he does. He sits down and I really, 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 really want to know what he's writing down. Don't you guys? But we just don't know. We don't know he wrote on the ground. Now, some people are speculating that maybe he wrote their names. I don't know. I think my speculation is that Jesus wrote on the ground maybe the law. And maybe, you know, when Jesus says, you know, it's not just murder to kill someone. It's murder to hate. Maybe Jesus is writing a law like, you know, thou shalt not bear false witness. Because this whole thing is a sting and an operation. And you guys have been lying about this whole thing because if you weren't, the guy would be here too. And as they're looking at Jesus, they're trying to get a reaction. You know those people, right? They're, they're just trying to get a reaction from Jesus. And Jesus just sort of not budging. He finally, he says the Bible here in um, in John 5, rather, he says that the law of Moses condemns us to stone such women. And what do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so they might have grounds for accusing him. And then verse 7, um, actually verse 6 still says, But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. You know the significance of this? The significance of this is that if you are accusing someone of a sin, you need, you, if you're bringing the accusation in the old kind of like 
Torah and the old kind of understanding of this is that if you bring the accusation, you're the first one who has to throw the first stone. You bring the accusation, you start doing it, and everyone else will follow you. But if you're wrong, then it will be done to you what you're doing to this person. So, so it's, it's, it's very loaded, right? And Jesus says, look, if you are not sinful, if you haven't done any sin, take the first stone and throw it. Now, of course, this doesn't make sense in the justice way, right? Like, think about this. Most judges, they're not like they're perfect. A judge doesn't have to be perfect to punish someone, right? Like, this is, this is not what Jesus is pointing out here, right? Because in our justice system, it's not like a, a judge is fully perfect, and that's why they're able to send someone to jail. That's not what's happening here. What Jesus is trying to point here is their hypocrisy. You guys are ready to stone her but you haven't considered your heart. You haven't considered your sin. You know, they say, I don't know who came up with this, but don't ever trust a hypocrite. Because they always switch sides. They always change their story. Right? So Jesus, very calmly, very collectively, right? Like he automatically calls them out. He says, okay, well, if you think that you have no sin, Throw the first stone. You know what happens? This is an amazing part, right? Like it says the oldest to the youngest, one by one, started to leave. The, why the oldest to the youngest, though? What's the big deal there? Well, if you are 18 and if you just came to Christ, you're one of those people that you're right and everyone's wrong. Have you noticed that? Everyone, I'm not talking about you, Paul. I mean, you're a good case. but <laughs> Right? Like, 19, 20, I was the same way, where I was like, everyone's wrong, I got this. But the more you wrestle, the more you, you say, okay, I'm trying to live for the Lord, but it's so difficult, and it's just, it's constantly, the world is pulling at me. The more you wrestle, the more you start to be broken. And as you, are, you start to be broken, you understand how hard this is, and you understand how sinful you are, and even your own, your, your own tears need repenting at times. Your own motives need repenting of. And the longer you live, the older you get, the more you understand how more sinful you are and the more graceful you get as God breaks you constantly and saying, pointing to your sin that you did some 15 years ago and you didn't think it was a big deal. But now, now it matters because the Holy Spirit is convicting you constantly and daily. So since the oldest, obviously the guy that lived the longest, has the most sin and they realize that, hey, maybe I have not murdered but i've hated maybe i haven't you know done what she's done but i've set up this whole thing this whole operation and because of that i'm just as guilty because i've bore where i i bear fault false witness meaning that i lied about this whole situation it says they start to leave one by one one by one now you know let me ask this is there anybody in this whole situation that doesn't have a sin Yes, it's Jesus. So if there's one person that can take a stone and throw it, it would be Jesus. But he doesn't. Jesus doesn't throw the first stone. Look at this. It says, Jesus straightened up. And Jesus said to the woman, 
Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now and sin no more. Jesus doesn't condemn you. When you come to him, when you are brought to him at times, when you are exposed, this, this is what I want you to understand from this whole story. The enemy, his whole job, first thing he's going to do, he's going to tempt you. And the moment he gets you to sin, maybe with other people or maybe by yourself, then he will try very, very hard to expose you. And a lot of times, he'll not expose you right away. He, you, you might be watching pornography here and there, but he's not going to expose you at that moment. He's going to expose you when the damage is the most. Well, we see this in ministry a lot of times where pastors build massive churches and ministry and the whole thing collapsed because they're exposed about the secret life that they have behind. Right? So, so, so the enemy, he chooses the time to expose you. When he exposes you, he, he wants to do the most calamity. And after he exposes you, he accuses you. And he goes around and he says things to you like this, like, oh, you think you're such a Christian? If they only knew who you really are. The Bible says that the, the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. His job constantly, well, not much of a job. He, he really is wicked. And he wants to destroy you. The way he does that, he, he tempts you first. You give into a sin. Then he exposes you. And then he accuses you. That is the bad news. That's how he operates. And every single thing that you do, he'll try to tempt you. Then he'll expose you. And then he'll accuse you. And your witness will be tainted. You as a Christian will be tainted. But comes in the good news. Here's the point where this gets good. Because you see, if the enemy is all out to tempt you, Jesus is all about giving you strength. It's all about giving you joy. Jesus is all about giving you a new hope to live for. Jesus is all about second chances. Jesus is the one who says, you used to be a prostitute and adulterer, but now you're my daughter. Jesus is the one who says, you were sinful, but now you're forgiven. Jesus is the one who changes and what? Rewrites your story. I had to get that in there somehow. That's the whole reason why we named this rewritten. Jesus comes and he rewrites your, your whole record. And I love this. I love the story of this woman. And she, she had a list of sins, right? And she went up to confess to the priest because she didn't know any better. And she walked into this dungeon, like a really small, you know, thing. And she wanted to read her sins. She says, forgive me, Father, because I have sinned. You know how Catholics do this? And, and then the father says, okay, what are your sins? And she's like, well, I can't see them anymore because it's dark. She has a whole list. And he's like, exactly, go and sin no more. Because <laughs> in Christ, you know, your sins, you can no longer see them. He says he has removed your sins as, it, as east is from the west. It's not that he's just sort of holding that over your head. Now, the enemy is going to try to use that. And a lot of people say things like, well, God has forgiven me, but I cannot forgive myself, which I would want to challenge you on that. Are you really saying that your authority is bigger than his? Humble yourself. If Christ, the one who's giving you a breath, if Christ, the one who's designed your DNA to give you the eye color that you have, if Christ, the one who's planned you way before, has said that you are forgiven, right? Then who are you to say that I don't feel forgiven, guys? 
Christ changes our story. He changes our trajectory. Christ changes who we are. Christ came for sinners. Jesus himself said, I didn't come for the perfect people, the, the healthy people. I came for the sick ones. Jesus was a friend of sinners, but he also is the high priest. Somehow he was able to keep his holiness and still be relatable. When we talk about God's amazing power, we, we talk about his transcendence, right? God transcends this world. God transcends time. God transcends your sin, your problems. God transcends all of this. And you might think, well, and I think a lot of conservative people, they have such a high view of God at times, they forget that Jesus is also, the word here theologically is imminent. He's close. See, it's true that God is transcendent. God is big. God is amazing. God is all. There's so much about God that I, I, I don't have time to describe right now. He's the, he's the one who created galaxies and he created the atom. He, he's the one who made all this. But also he is present. He's imminent. He's close to the brokenhearted. He's close to those of you who came in here and you feel like that woman. He is powerful, but he's also close through Jesus. And in this tension between law, or justice rather, and mercy, lives grace. Justice is all about you've done the crime, you do the time. That's what Leviticus and Deuteronomy say that, hey, listen, if you have sinned, the payment for your sin is capital punishment. You are about to get destroyed. You are about to die. That is justice. You've done the, the crime. You're getting, you know, the time. You're paying the time, right? Like, on the other hand, there's mercy. Mercy says, you know what? I forgive. I restore. And you're like, wait a second. If God is a judge, and he's a righteous judge, how can he be justice and mercy? Because justice comes at the expense of mercy, and mercy comes at the expense of justice. I, we, either you pay for the, for the crime or you don't. And if you don't pay for the crime, then God is not a just a judge. And here comes grace. Jesus doesn't punish you because he took your punishment upon himself. That is the core of the gospel. God can give Jesus your punishment. Justice was served on the cross. He, he punished Jesus so he doesn't have to punish you. So God can be fully just and fully merciful. That is the essence of grace. The essence of grace is that God, in his amazing power, he can, he can be fully just, uh, just at the same time be fully kind, fully loving, and extend grace to you. I've shared this message before, but the difference, you've probably heard it before too, but the difference in justice, mercy, and grace is you get pulled over, you get a ticket because you're speeding, that's justice. If the police officer says, I'm going to forgive you, that's mercy. But if he comes and says, you know what, you've been speeding, and I should give you a $200 ticket, but not only am I going to give you mercy, but I'm going to give you $200. That's grace. Jesus didn't just come to forgive your sin. Jesus came that you might spend eternity with him. That rhymes. But like, you know what I mean? 
Right? He didn't just come to forgive your sin. He came also that you would spend eternity with him. He cares about who you are. He cares about your character. He cares about this woman. And you see, our salvation, yes, it's provided by grace. And God starts this whole process of salvation by grace you've been saved. Remember that, right? But then it's carried out through faith. So it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is the essence of the gospel. That in him, we're no longer punished for our old sins. That in him, we're no longer getting justice, but we get mercy and grace. Isn't that good news? Isn't that the amazing news of the gospel? When I think of my own life and the things, the way I treated people, my sins. I wish to tell you that I'm living a perfect life, but even today I got mad. Even today I probably sinned. And repentance is something that the Holy Spirit grants you. And the very fact that you are here. I, I remember last couple of nights, somebody came up to me and says, hey, I, I'm, I don't know what to do because I don't really feel the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, the very fact that you came to the altar tells me that the Holy Spirit is already working your life. You wouldn't care. You wouldn't care if the Holy Spirit was not working your life. You wouldn't care about co- coming to the altar. So the very fact that you are here tonight tells me that the Holy Spirit already started working you. The very fact that you care about this, you care about the Bible and you care about, you know, living a righteous life, living with Jesus and, and walking, with, walking with Him tells me the Holy Spirit is already in. And I know that the work that He's starting in you will bring to completion. So, so I, I want to, I know that most of you maybe fall more into the two categories. Either the, the woman that was brought and it was exposed. If you're Timothy and ran away, Trust me, expose, being exposed is coming at some point. Just because you got to wait this time doesn't mean that you're not going to be exposed down the road. You will affect your family. You will affect your, 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 your spouse. The, the things that you do will carry and you will affect you. But I want to speak to these two people. If you find yourself like this woman, I want to read from Romans 8 and 1 and 4. It says, and this is what I love about this passage so much. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So the requirement of law might be fulfilled in us. Do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Jesus is able to, and He's the only one who is able to say, I no longer condemn you. I will no longer, I will not punish you because He took on her punishment. Jesus is the only one who, who, who is able to say, you're condemned, but He doesn't. But if you find like that person, listen, Jesus didn't just stop there. He says, but don't, I mean, he he rather says, go and sin no more. Those of you who are making a practice of sinning, you should really examine your heart. Are you walking with Jesus or not? If sin is a lifestyle for you, you should really wonder if Jesus has really changed your heart. You're no longer walking under condemnation. I agree. 
Uh, and condemnation used to be like this, where um, the best way I can describe this is if my mom, my mom, I love my mom. She's been an amazing woman of God. But, you know, every single time I told her that I don't take out the garbage because it's not my calling, she says, you'll find her calling really quick. So, so she asked me to do a lot of things that I didn't necessarily agree with I should do. But the point is that if she asked me to do something, and I just hate the whole thing, I don't care about my mom, I'll do the bare minimum. And a lot of us are doing that. You, you, you ask the bare minimum, how, is this sin or not? Like, is drinking sin or not? Like, I really wouldn't need to know. Like, if I drink, am I going to have or not? Like, you're one of those, like, toddlers. Like, like your attitude to this is like, well, but I don't, I don't really feel like doing this. Like, you, you're just sort of going around. Nothing's falling? Never mind. But you get, get the point, right? You kind of have that attitude about things. But when you get older and you truly love your mom, she asks you, to clean your room and you go clean up the kitchen too. Why? Because you're doing it out of a relationship. I, have you seen people are in love? I haven't. <laughs> I want to correct that. I want to say that I've seen him. I just sometimes I don't want to see that. Uh, because, you know why? Because they're all over each other. And I'm like, yo, listen, like, stop. Yeah. We're about to... <laughs> Another youth pastor right here. <laughs> and they're like, well, but I got to do this for them. And I'm like, no, you could just serve the church too, like, sometimes. Like, you could, you know, like... And they'll do the most weird and outlandish things just to prove that they love one another. And you're like, that's kind of creepy. Like... Like, I literally had friends that got a whole trunk of roses, they stole them, and then dropped them on this girl's front porch. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe I don't understand that yet, but I'm just saying, <laughs> right? Like, they do outlandish things. You're like, that makes no sense. Why? Like, why would you do that? Because they're in love, right? That's why they do that. But if they don't love each other, you want me to do What? Like, that's your attitude about things. And if your attitude about following Christ is that, then are you acting out of a relationship or are you acting because of the consequences? I clean out my room because I was afraid of my mom's consequences because there are some for sure, right? Like, that's why. But then I, as I start to love her more, I would do because I loved her. So if you're one of those people that, that you keep on sinning, I, I'm going to give you a call very soon here to come to the altar and, and understand that walking with Jesus is all about being covered and doing things because of the relationship, not because of the condemnation. There is no longer any kind of condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you are saved by grace, through faith, and in Christ alone. And if you're in Christ, think of Christ as being a, a, an airplane. And even if you have the ticket, but if you didn't get in, you're not in. You're not going places. Being in Jesus, no matter, I love that song that you guys sang, like, no matter what comes my way, I will obey. Because if I'm in Christ, I, I, even if I die with him, guess what? I get to resurrect with him. If I'm crucified with him, all the more I get to sharing his glory. And when you start to make decisions based on that, everything changes. It's no longer I'm doing it because I'm condemned. 
But maybe you came in this place and you're one of those people, you know, like, I just want to see who attends this church. I mean, I just want to see if they're theologically correct. And now I'm going to go and tell my opinion on Facebook about City Hill and all that. They're rewritten, apparently, right? Like, you, you kind of have that attitude. But, and then you go around, you're like, but did you hear? I mean, it's a prayer request, but let me tell you. Like, I heard this story, and it's pretty big. Spill the tea, bro. Like, like <laughs> I'm not a bro, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, and you start gossip about people, about their sins. And, and you just want, you know, just give them, a, you know, that person's already stumbling. Just give them a little bit of a push. That person's barely holding on to attending church. That person's barely, they're ashamed. They've just been exposed to the whole world. And some 2,000 years, people were still talking about this woman. Apparently, you feel this need to sort of just give one more kick. Do one more spit. Throw one more insult at her. And when somebody changes their life for, for Christ, and, and it seems like they threaten your relationship with Jesus, how is that even possible? If you came in this place, I want to read this passage to you. And 1 John 5.10 says this, This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He's Himself he himself is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus and his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him, meaning Jesus, a liar, and his word is not in us. I think the most offensive sin described in the story is not adultery. It's the malice of people trying to destroy a person for their own political gain. That is serious. So I'm going to call you to prayer very shortly here, but I want to ask you, who are you really identifying as today? Are you the woman who's maybe been exposed? Are you maybe the person who got away with it and nobody really talks about it, but you know at some point you will be exposed? Everything that's done in the darkness will be brought to the light. If we walk in Him, we can no longer walk in darkness. Or maybe you're one of those people that just sort of, you're all about kicking people. You're all about using your righteousness. Listen, if you really want to use righteousness, you better keep the Ten Commandments. You better keep the 613 other ones. You better be perfect. And if you think you're per perfect, Jesus says, you're a liar. And if you think that you haven't sinned, Jesus says, you're a liar. And you're making God a liar. 
So I'm going to ask you to stand right now, and I'm going to ask you, one of the things that I always want to do is this, is I want to ask you if you have not made Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm not going to call you up front, but I want to pray with you, and I'm going to ask you to, to pray a prayer with me. And after that, we're going to do some other prayers. But I want to ask you, if you don't know Jesus, if maybe you've never given your, your life to Jesus, be it if you're the Pharisee or the, 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 the woman caught in adultery or the guy who got, a, got away with it, regardless what you are convicted right now of, the hope for all of those people is Jesus. He says that those, what a sad picture. Those people who accused this woman, they started to leave one by one. But I'm like, salvation is right there. What are you doing? Christ can help you too. She, she came with, with sin of adultery, but God can deal with your pride. God can deal with your righteousness that is like filthy rags. What are you doing? There's hope for you too. Don't walk away. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance and until next time, God bless you.